Professional, the podcast where we answer your questions, offer advice, and veer off into many, many tangents. Oh, yeah. My name's Tony Sanchez. <laughs> I'm Asia Sanchez. I am Megan Ueno. She is our guest today. Uh, so, Megan, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Not really, but <laughs> um, I am, I guess, also a podcaster. I have a YouTube channel called The Grumpy Bagel. And that is a knitting podcast that I host that occasionally uh, goes into nerdy stuff and in which I find basically any excuse I can to talk about the Phantom of the Opera as well. Megan is an INTJ. Yes, yes, I am. So you've got two of us today. Yes. That's a thing that's happening. I just really like the way you described yourself just now because when I was putting out the call for questions for this episode of the podcast, I said that we had a special surprise guest, <laughs> but the hints were mm-hmm. knitting and BBC BBC and Phantom of the Opera. And like, I can't think of anyone else who fits that yeah, criteria. Kelsey. <laughs> I was like, hmm, I wonder who this could possibly be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of a giveaway for me. Yeah. So, um, Megan was originally going to fill in for Tawny since Tawny had like a smidge of pneumonia, but Tawny was like, no, I want to be on the podcast if Megan is going to be there. <laughs> Only That's she sounded exactly. more like, she sounded more like this. No, I want to be on the podcast if Megan is going to be there. <laughs> Stop making me laugh. <laughs> I, yeah. It's actually a really bad idea for me to be on this podcast because <laughs> laughing makes it Ten times worse. Every time I laugh, I hack up my lungs. It's all right. I'll just be less funny. So <laughs> that'll be easy for you. No, I'm hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, we postponed it a bit, but um, I'm still. I'm sure I'll be editing out a lot of coughing from Beth March over here. Ouch! <laughs> I'm trying so hard to cough right now. <laughs> we got to bring the fever down from her head. <laughs> She has a terrible thirst, but she won't drink. <laughs> oh, wow. Deep cut. It's <laughs> a deep cut. <laughs> um, so, quick catch up. Tawny, what's been going on in your life? I think we know. Uh, I've had pneumonia, and that's pretty much it. I've had, I've been working and had pneumonia. That's my life. She went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, we should take an x-ray. And Tawny was like, nah. <laughs> So the doctor's like, I'll guess that what you need then. Here's some medicine, I guess. Yeah. Have fun trying not to die, I guess. And, Bye. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly how we it We don't went. know which lung it is or if it's both of them, but okay. Tawny was like, a hundred dollars. I'd rather die. I, I don't have health insurance, and I didn't want to pay the extra hundred dollars just to get an x-ray when I already knew what I had. I'll just write it out. Support us on Patreon. We're Americans, and we need all the money we can get to stay alive. Oh, if only we were Canadian. Oh. If only we were Canadian. Yeah. I honestly would, I really want to move to Canada. Yeah. I feel like it'd be nice. I had a really bad toothache for like a month and I was just constantly going around the house wailing, I'm moving to Canada! <laughs> because I, my strategy for toothaches for the last decade has been take some Advil and hope it goes away on its own. Usually takes about a month, but they always go away eventually. <laughs> That's... That's so much worse than me. No, you've built up new immunities in the meantime. Yeah, I'm immune to cavities now. It's a thing. It was actually really funny because when I was sick, there was one night where I um, slept upstairs and I was in the hospital bed in which our grandfather recently (laughs) passed away. Yeah, and Asia came in. It's very comforting, isn't it? And she thought I was dead. (laughs) 
I did. I got up. I no. us- I'm not usually the first person awake. Okay, so maybe so, well, at least one poor decision on your part. In, in, in that case. I'm not usually the first person to wake up, but when I woke up and I realized, oh no, I'm the first person awake. Am I going to have to be the one to find Tawny's dead, cold body in the living room? Because she seriously seemed like she was on death's door the night before. And so... I was very... Ill. I was like procrastinating i was like making coffee and stuff and then i finally walked in you were procrastinating i didn't want to find what if i was almost dead and you were just you were about i could have i died because you were making coffee well my cpr certification is like about to expire so i don't know if i could have done much anyway (laughs) it wouldn't be the first time i almost let you die from choking i know death over here that was I oh man, one time when we were younger, a lot younger, I was eating a, a hot link, a large sausage, and it slipped into the back of my throat, and so I was choking. And I run into the room where Asia is. She's on the computer, mm-hmm. and um, I I, I tap her state. shoulder, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, 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 and and she just looks at me, and then goes back to her computer. And I'm like, oh, trying to. I was in a state of flow. I didn't understand what was happening. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm on my own. And so I start like, really trying to get this sausage out of my throat. And yeah, basically, while someone else is already in the room, qualified. Exactly. But just indifferent. Uh huh. And so I didn't um, know she was choking. So. I finally I. What did you think she was doing? I cough up this sausage, and I'm like, Asia. What is wrong with you? I was choking. And she just looks at me like, oh, I thought you were just saying it was hot. I thought she was saying the sausage was hot and was going like, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, to be able to do that. I was like, all right, fine. It's okay. Why would I get back to Neil? Why would I run into the room (laughs) and get your attention just to say it's hot? I don't know. That's why I thought it was preposterous and just let it... Listen, this is just another difference between INTJs and INTPs. I'm going to blame that because I you was very... Use personality as an excuse. I was very focused <laughs> on the computer and you were trying to communicate with only facial expressions. Like, I was going to understand that. I was just also going to judge gesturing. you all the time now. Yeah. Huh? Right. Now she's just going to judge you all the time well, now, that's right? Sh- I mean, not right. now. She was born well, doing that. Well. <laughs> but, yeah, so how did we get on that topic? So, any, anyway, Asia, what's oh. up with you lately? Oh, that that's why. It was because I finally did go in there with my coffee, and she was laying there like the sunlight was beaming down directly on her. Like an angelic chorus in the and background. Her lips were, like, the exact same color as the rest of her face. She looked all waxy, you know, like, straight up like every corpse I've ever seen. And she was How just... How many corpses have you seen, Asia? A few. And okay. her... And... A couple of them were, like, of direct lineage, and the next one would be Tawny, and she has, like, a similar face, and she was making the same face, like, her mouth was hanging open. And we're still talking about corpses. Then. Yes. Okay. And so she just could not have looked more dead. And I, like, I was, like, uh, and, like, walked closer to her, and and she, like, opened her eyes <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, good, you're not dead. And, like, took a sip of my coffee and walked away. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was great to wake up to that. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good, you're not dead. Yeah. 
That's how I texted her for the next few days, too. Or like, you lie. And so that was the day I decided I should go to the doctor. Because <laughs> you were mistaken for dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. Anyway, that a took... A week ago. Um, anyway, nothing's going on with me, like, at all. I'm going to a crab feed tonight. Oh, that's what you're going to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yay. That'll be... I want to show up a couple hours late, because they always take a couple hours to try and fill you up on salad and stuff. I'm there for the crab, okay? Mm-hmm. Stop trying to give me bread and salad for two hours. I'll be eating all the crab I want. Thank you. So we have one correction to make, and this is actually a correction that I commented um, because in the last podcast, Asia referred to going home by Radical Face, which is actually called Welcome Home. Well, I was going home at the time that I first heard the song. It's actually a Welcome Home son. And I was also... You wrote the correction incorrectly. I was also not a son. And so <laughs> I think in my head I just changed it to match me. Going home, Asia. <laughs> not welcome home, son. That's so, all right. justified. Okay. No, not justified. <laughs> all right, let's get to questions and answer them. First question. Can chloroform really kill you? I'm just going to go ahead and uh, say yes. I'd say yes. Yes. If too, handled improperly. Yeah, too much of anything can kill you. Actually, too I remember... Too much water can kill you. Yeah, it's happened. Too many hotlings can kill you. <laughs> too many is sometimes one. <laughs> and a negligent <laughs> sister. <laughs> um, I, I actually read a long time ago that some people get annoyed when they see how, like, easily and casually people use chloroform on tv shows because they're like that's actually really dangerous people don't always wake back up from Mm -hmm. chloroform so yeah it can kill you don't don't play with it it's got darn it chlor chlor in it anything that starts with chlor sounds really dangerous to me chlorine and smelling yeah what about chlorophyll I was <laughs> straight chlorophyll. I it's no. so green. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. All green things. <laughs> green things are bad. I guess chloroseptic is okay, but I actually found out that that can be dangerous too, and even lead to death if you overdose on it. So, and even it can absorb through your skin, like if you spray it all over your body or something, that can be real bad. I had reasons for looking this up. I will not explain myself. <laughs> um. Okay. All Next right. question. Next question. Go ahead. Can dichotomies serve a purpose in art? Oh, wait. I need to get out my monocle to answer this question. (laughs) In the world of art, we're kind of living in an era where things are becoming sort of ambiguous. In other words, we're living in an era of shades. Like, nothing can be honestly bad. So we kind of say things like, well, it's art. It can just be whatever it wants to be. But I'm wondering if that's always the case. I do understand the one side, but is it valuable art? Is it good art? Can there be such a thing as good art? And this was asked to us by an INFJ, which I think is interesting because he's about to get a reply from two INTJs and an INTP. So we'll I remember see how that works out. my sophomore year of high school, my English teacher asked the class which type of art they prefer, Da Vinci or Picasso. I'm curious what you guys would answer to that. 
Da Vinci was my number one hero when I was growing up. Like when people be like, who's your favorite celebrity? I was like, Leonardo Da Vinci, because <laughs> I was a little dweeb. But I just read everything about Leonardo Da Vinci. I loved everything about him, like his inventions and his stupid writing backwards. And I, I, it made me sad I wasn't left-handed because I wanted to be left-handed like Da Vinci. But I also appreciated Picasso once I learned more about him. Because some people, they see Picasso's stuff for the first time and they're like, oh, it looks like a kid drew that. You have to look back at Picasso's blue period, for instance, to realize he was a fantastic realist artist. He had that ability, but he really experimented and changed the whole idea of art at the time, which for most people, art is recreating reality. And he was kind of revolutionary in that he was more capturing the feelings of something by breaking it down. So I'm not so great at creating abstract art myself. I don't know if part of my brain just doesn't work that way. I have an ESFP friend and that's all she does. She just loves painting abstract art. She really plays with the shapes and the colors and everything. And honestly, through her art, I've gained more of an appreciation for abstract art because I think it's because I know her, I can see her personality in the art. Instantly, I identify more with and aspire to be Da Vinci because like his skill and his intelligence and all that. But I, Picasso is definitely in my mind equally an artist if we're going to talk about artists. I'll just ask what you prefer. <laughs> You know I don't have <laughs> dichotomous answers. <laughs> so, Megan? Um, I feel like probably the least qualified person to answer this question because I have not studied art, as Asia has, obviously. I mm, Studied is, is a strong word. <laughs> well, compared to the answer I'm going to give, definitely. Um, I think I, you were talking about this in your last podcast about how difficult it is, at least for you, to be freeform mm -hmm. enough in the way that seems that some of the great artists and musicians really are to, to improvise and to just feel free when whatever their medium is in expressing themselves, which I have not yet figured out how to do for myself. I'm still very constructed and perfectionist in mm -hmm. my own mind. So I definitely prefer realist art when I do see it. It's hard for me to explain what I do and do not like because I don't know it until I see it mm -hmm. necessarily. And I can't always explain it to you. And there's very, very few rules that I have with myself about art. So generally, without knowing very much about the individuals, I would lean toward Da Vinci just because he's, what I have seen of him is more of a realist. Mm -hmm. And that's what I prefer. And that's all I know how to say on that. So just to be clear, when I talk about learning about Picasso's blue period, I'm referring to when I was in fifth grade and we had art docent and they showed us some paintings from Picasso's blue period. And I was 11 year old and he was like, what the, he could paint really good. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Tony? <laughs> uh, I, I had chosen Da Vinci as pretty much very similar to Megan, just of what I know and what I appreciate generally in art is realism because I feel like it does require more skill, like technical skill to be able to capture things in that sense. But I do have an appreciation for abstract art as well. 
I think as far as like this question, what you consider, what I consider art depends on like the intention Mm -hmm. because people who just like want to make money with art or do doing something easy will take a canvas, splatter some paint on it and say, oh, it's art. You just don't get it, you know? (laughs) But then there's people who, if you actually know the intention behind it and if there's like an actual story and if they put like a lot of effort into this piece, even though it's not realism, does it, I feel like that's still really good art. What do you think about, do you know who Jack, is it Jason or Jackson? I always forget. Jason or Jackson Pollack? Pollock. Pollock. I always, I always read words and I don't hear them. (laughs) He makes those big abstract paintings and they basically do look like splattered paint Mm -hmm. at first glance. And then you look at it and you're like, you can see there's some thought that went into it. And um, sometimes it's hard for me. I think because I do make art, I can get annoyed sometimes when I see paintings that look super easy. And the only thing keeping me from mass producing the thing they made is that I don't have $5,000 to spend on a gigantic canvas and a bunch of paint and the confidence that somebody's going to buy it. (laughs) So that's one thing that gets annoying to me. But on the other hand, I have to remember that over the centuries and even in my lifetime, people's perceptions of what art is has changed. Like Van Gogh wasn't appreciated in his time. And now we all think he's one of the greatest artists ever. And it can be hard sometimes for us now looking back to think, well, what? why didn't people appreciate his art back then? Look at it, it's cool. But there's perspective, that's a big difference. Um, his intention that we just didn't, we didn't know very much about him before, probably. Did no one watch that Doctor Who episode? I know, right? Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Not one single person. Uh, (laughs) I am having so much trouble explaining what I mean, though. I just did the Violet Beauregard thing. (laughs) She had to readjust I readjusted my headband. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, okay, so why don't we expand it beyond famous artists? So we all acknowledge that Da Vinci and Picasso are artists, correct? Mm-hmm. Like whether yes. it's your taste or not, it's art. It counts. But what about things that people do, they call art? Like um, the person who asked this question said, I didn't quite catch what he was saying, but he said something about he saw some man who was conducting a potted plant and called that art. And I don't know if he meant like an electrical conducting. I don't know if he meant electrical or orchestral. I was assuming orchestral conducting. Okay. So I tend to feel like if there is an intention and a meaning behind it, or even a creative impulse, you're just repeating what I just said. It is art for them. No, I'm not. You didn't say the other thing I said. You only said intention (laughs) and the creative impulse. I think whatever somebody makes and they call art is art. It's just... No! (laughs) (laughs) Vacuuming Listen, we're just going to keep going. Somebody's vacuuming upstairs. We're going to deal with it. (laughs) Um, I think it is art, but I think when you get into the good and the bad words, that's not necessarily constructive when it comes to talking about art. Sarah Green of The Art Assignment, she was talking recently about how it's not super helpful to tell someone, I like that, 
or I don't like that. When you're talking about art, it's more important to say exactly what it is you appreciate about it right. or what it is you don't appreciate about it or what it could be changed or what, what could be changed or what it means to you. So my grandmother is a painter and she, we learned that very quickly <laughs> on how to comment. Yeah. And I think artists appreciate it because you know, sometimes people create art, they put it out there in the world and then they get feedback about what it meant to people. And it, has nothing to do with what the artist's intention was and at that point it gets a little confusing because sometimes the artist likes other people's interpretations better than what their original intention was oh yes i definitely meant to do that yeah yes yes, and that that goes into like writing also music yeah i get that a lot people are like oh so you know your song that's about this and i'm like that's not what it's about but okay but it's like at, at that point, tried. once it's into the world and it's it kind of belongs to the person who's taking it in to appreciate it the way they want to appreciate it. So your intention and the way it's taken can be two totally different things. So I just think it's really not, it's not constructive to think about art in a dichotomous way like that, like good, yeah. bad, black and white. It's just not going to ever work. No one's ever going to agree on what art is or what's good or exactly, bad. Because it's such a personal thing, both to the artist and to the consumer, and they will be totally different things, but they are valid to both of them and so different. Yeah. Whether exactly. we agree with one or the other or not, it mm-hmm. is still it's it is still that thing to each person. Exactly. And that's, what can make it so controversial as well, I think. So we have a really um, thought-provoking question next. <laughs> I'm so happy it's not another art question, to be honest. <laughs> it's kind well, of an art question. It kind question. of is. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. Is it pronounced crayon or crayon? This is one of those questions where I feel like I know the answer, but every time somebody asks it, I suddenly don't remember how I say the word. <laughs> I know. Now I have to think about it. I've- I'm, I'm kind of... It's crayon. Crayon. It's crayon. kind of somewhere in the middle for me. I, yeah, it's like in the middle. I kind of just say crayon, like, but longer. Mm-hmm. Crayon. Crayon. You have an accent crayon. in Y in your crayon. 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 I have a little bit of a Y, but I have heard people be like, crayon, and I'm like, no. <laughs> crayon. It's absurd. <laughs> I think it depends on my mood. And Can how you quickly I need to red? convey the information about crayon. But I have... wax. I have heard people say crayons. Crayons. No. Crayons. No. And that's like how little kids say it, and it's like they never learned how to spell the word or something. Even though it's on the box. Crayons. Maybe they can't read yet. It doesn't bug me quite as much as people calling wolves woofs, but it's up there. (laughs) Pillows, palos. A woof. I remember the first time I heard that, I was in first grade, and it was another student who said woof, and I was like, a what? And she's like, a woof. And I was like, a woof is the sound a dog makes. I think you mean a wolf. And she's like, no, a woof. And I was like, show me where's this L going? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know how to spell. What are you talking about? <laughs> we can't read Asia. <laughs> I'm like, well, I can. I can't add two numbers together, but I can read. Wolf. It's four letters. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, I could argue. So is woof, but never mind. Well, okay, but those aren't the correct letters. <laughs> I've heard grown adults call them wolves, though. What is that? Is it a regional thing? But we're from the same place. <laughs> All right, would you like to ask the next question, Megan? 
Uh, should I say who it's from or no? Ah, uh, go ahead. I haven't really okay. been doing that, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, this is from Christian. The moon landing. Was it real? Yes. Tawny. <laughs> Tawny? What's the sensitation? <laughs> I'm questioning everything now. <laughs> it's like, I... Yes. <laughs> Part of me is always doubtful about everything. I understand, actually. It's like... I'm 95% sure. 98% sure. <laughs> My 98-year-old Japanese grandmother thought the moon landing was fake. Yeah. Well, said, okay, Bachan, that's that's great. Um, I Okay. When I first heard that pe- some people thought the moon landing was fake, it was as absurd to me as them saying the world was flat. Which has surprisingly also been called into question as of late. But, you know, then I understood, okay, that's a pretty big thing. Maybe I shouldn't just take it for granted that everything I've been taught is true. They also told me Christopher Columbus discovered America. So, (laughs) like, that's, you know, that's why I have the 2% there. I'm just... Just in case. Five to two percent. I would yeah. say strongly, though, the evidence points to yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would like it if science made it a little easier for me to use a telescope to see the footprints and stuff we left on the moon. I'm still not 100% sure why I can't, if I can see stuff further away <laughs> than the moon. So I'm, uh, I need to look that up. That's the only, that's my only issue at the moment why show me the footprints hashtag show me the footprints hashtag (laughs) hashtag not my nasa hashtag (laughs) not my moon landing hashtag fake armstrong hashtag i'm with earth (laughs) that being said i will say yes it was real yeah it was it was pretty much definitely real (laughs) Tawny looks so incredulous right now, though. <laughs> I, maybe you're, it's because you're like me, and the only way to be sure of anything is to, okay, now I have to study physics and get in shape so I can be an astronaut and go to the next moon. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, I always wanted to be an astronaut. Like, that was, as a kid, my number one dream. It was, and like, number maybe, three for me. Maybe part <laughs> of that was, I have to know if this is real. All right, so our, we're like between the three of us, ninety nine point nine nine percent sure that the moon landing was real. Our next question is from other Jacob, because <laughs> the crayon question was from Did original you just say Jacob. Crayon. <laughs> <laughs> See, it messes with your ability to remember how you say it. So, other Jacob asks. How did Elvis really die? As I told him when he asked this question... On the toilet? With drugs. And he said, no, no, we're going to figure out how he really died. I'm like, just because you liked his music doesn't mean he didn't die in an embarrassing way that I learned in third grade. He had a heart attack on the toilet, right? Uh, Yeah, well, I think also he had a lot of drugs in his system. Well, and yeah, it was on the toilet. While on the toilet. Yeah. Of course, this is all hearsay. I've never looked it up myself. A third grader told me, and I've believed it ever since, but I'm pretty sure I've it's read true. about it. Okay, then we know. Sorry, Jacob, your hero died on the toilet. Why is Elvis his hero? He just likes Elvis, I guess. That's what he said in the last podcast. Mm, people need to choose better heroes. I keep telling people on Twitter, stop having heroes. They all disappoint you. <laughs> 
<laughs> the only way to be happy is to not have heroes. <laughs> they are all either disappointing. Don't look up to anyone. Don't. They're everyone all humans. Sucks. You know, we wouldn't get so outraged by celebrities' bad opinions on things all the time if we stopped treating them like authorities and started remembering that they're people who play pretend for money and that their opinions don't I matter. I like that you're just repeating a tweet that you have. Like, Shut word up. for word. <laughs> Not enough people follow me on Twitter, Tommy. <laughs> this is important information needs to get out there. Yeah. Okay, so can the mind move objects without limbs? Who asked this question? I do not remember. I think it was Andrew. And I told him that I tried a lot. <laughs> Every time I don't want to get up and get something, <laughs> I focus real hard. In our next segment, Asia's Test of the Force. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember when one of the old Star Wars movies came out. And by old, I mean... You mean the prequels? Yes. And I was um, still in elementary school. And I went... I was going up the stairs after recess. And I turned around and I gestured towards the bottom of the stairs because my cousin was there and at the same time that I put my hand out towards him he like tripped and fell and flew backwards and I was like the force is strong with me (laughs) like and it was seriously my first taste of being a nerd at all because it was the first time I'd ever seen something in a sci-fi movie and then applied it to my real life and pretended it was real. And it was, it felt That awesome. was like my entire childhood was, <laughs> was like, that's when it started? Like, not earlier? Well, by then, Tawny had us like already being nerds around her. So <laughs> I had like whole alien worlds. I got to be a nerd all by myself. Okay, but I just also want to go back and say that we don't need to act like it's not already pretty amazing what her mind does. Mm-hmm. Our mind is moving our limbs. That's stinking cool. And it's even, it's emphasized when people lose their limbs and now they've got those new prosthetics that you can basically control with your mind too. And I'm like, wow, that's so rad. <laughs> that is like the closest thing to telekinesis I think we have with electricity. With only electrical impulses. I know. It's nuts. Like, and the fact that people feel phantom limbs, too, when they lose their limbs, they really, their brains, like, mm-hmm. no, that's still there. And it's like it's still sending out those electrical signals, trying. Oh, that would make a good sci-fi story, actually. <laughs> Noted. Phantom limb <laughs> sci-fi story. <laughs> Memo for future self. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, there was a show I watched that was kind of. I was gonna say, I'm dang it! I never have an original idea somewhere. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I it was like the the Twilight Zone in the sixties. No, (laughs) but it was it was about like prosthetic limbs, basically like having a mind of their own. Oh no, I mean phantom limbs. Yeah, I know, but just it reminded me (laughs) of that. It was seen the way that Asia flexed her hand as she said that. No, I mean. (laughs) Phantom limbs. <laughs> and then it did like that Dr. Horrible finger yeah. movement. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as it's kind of a goosebumps plot <laughs> that we all had telekinesis. We do not. And no. the mind cannot move objects. Wait. Without limbs. Without limbs. My mind can make my mouth move and words come out that tell somebody else to move something. <laughs> or you could use like your breath to like yeah. push something away. <sighs> but that's not your mind. 
really. I mean, Everything I do is my mind. It's and a system of nerves. Well, everything else that people see is just protection for but the it's weird the tentacle monster it. it's the same inside as of doing me. it with your limbs. Your mind is telling your limbs to do it, and your mind is telling your mouth to do it. I'm moving on to the next question. Good, because I'm going to strangle you. <laughs> uh, I don't know who this question is from, but... Um, it You'll figure it out. <laughs> I think education is headed the wrong way because it's still focused on IQ instead of EQ, emotional intelligence. Because I feel like you can get someone to be emotionally intelligent enough to know their own potential, then they'll actually chase learning. Uh, uh, INFJ asked this question. Hmm. Same INFJ from before, but the art question. I mean, the only question that's a paragraph long. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And not actually a question. There are no question marks in this, <clears throat> nope. in this statement. It's a statement. He actually, he started to ask this question, and then he was like, wait, never mind. This is just me going on rants about stuff. So, I'm, so what they're saying or proposing is that our education be shifted to treat emotional intelligence instead of... I strongly feel that at least in the first few years of school, that's exactly what happens. I feel like they're way more focused on, like, emotions and behavior than they are on numbers. Like, our grades were satisfactory and unsatisfactory, not A, B, C, until we got to, like, fourth or fifth grade. I feel like we shouldn't keep categorizing kids by their birthday though I feel like it should be up to ability and interest because what happens is by a certain age like I don't know what the exact age would be but I would say at least by 10 or 11 kids kind of have a lot of their interests figured out and their strengths are starting to become super clear. But all the way through high school, we keep forcing them to all take the same subjects. You still have to keep going in math. You still have to keep going all the way in English. And I understand like wanting to at least maintain a basic level to get along in society of those topics. But I think you should at least be, I feel like we should encourage kids more to focus on what their strengths already are. So, one, they'll enjoy their education more. Like he said, they'll chase their education more, chase learning. Because, for example, different personality types tend to... I was just listening to a different podcast, Personality Hacker, about how they've done brain scans on the different personality types um, when they get into a flow state, you know, which is whenever you're doing anything that you enjoy so much that time just goes by super fast because you're so focused you're not thinking about anything else and the only reason you stop is because like you fall asleep or you get very hungry or something but usually you forget to eat a few meals first and they were saying those brain scans showed that it was different for each personality type what got people into that flow state and so I think we just need to take into account people's personalities and interests a lot more. I think we'd get a lot more skilled workers into the workforce and more advancements probably if people were allowed to focus on what interested them instead of uh, still treating it like we're training all these kids to work in factories and go serve in the army because that was what the public school system was originally modeled after was a factory. 
Tawny is making the worst, most bored faces. <laughs> well, I have thoughts on this as well. Okay, continue. I just wasn't done. <laughs> I think that you're right to a degree. I think that children should receive a general education. I do think that they should be placed based on ability. Not by interest, though, because, you know, a kid's interests are going to change, you know, constantly. But one thing that really bothered me is that when I went back to school, when I went to college to try and to get, get a degree in computer science and in photography, it really bothered me that in order to do that, I had to take a communications class, a math class, uh, English class, and all of that when I've already done those things. I've, I should be done, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't need those in order to learn computer science. I already have, you know, the basic knowledge that I need there. And then I, I wanted to focus on those, you know, other courses. But instead, I had to waste so much time. And that's it was very frustrating. Our next question. Megan, would you like to ask? Okay. Uh, what is the general impression people have of jazz? Like, what do you think jazz is? Supplementary. Only 3% of gen pop likes classical music. Is jazz next? So what happened here is one person asked the question about jazz and then his friend piped in and said <laughs> only 3% of, of the general population likes classical music. And so what I'm wondering, is jazz music the next classical music? To which I replied, only 3% of the population likes like, classical I'm part, music? I'm part of the 3% already? It was my favorite a station on the radio when I was a kid. That's the one I listened to in the car. I listened to that in public radio, and those were the only stations I listened to when I was a kid. Yeah. But um, I did not like jazz until I became an adult, even though I was in jazz band. <laughs> I liked jazz. I think, though, I didn't love jazz when I was a kid because I associated it with, like, elevator music, but then yeah. I realized, oh, or Sesame you know, Street. like, Louis Armstrong, that's... I hated jazz. Early, I love early jazz. That's... I hated jazz because I associated it with elevator music, but I also associated it with, like, I don't know, Barry White? Like, weird, overly sensual (laughs) jazz music. And mom would, like... Is Barry White even jazz? I don't know. Mom would listen... Sensual elevator music. Mom would listen... (laughs) Mom would listen to, like, disco and jazz, and both of them drove me nuts. Like, whatever it was she was listening to, I wanted to die. And it wasn't until, like, I became an adult that I listened to... I don't don't even know how to describe what it is. I just know now that there's some jazz I appreciate a lot more than whatever it was I was listening to back then. Smooth jazz. Oh, smooth jazz. That's what I hate. No. No, thank you. No. I like it to be a bit cacophonous. Like, they're just all four instruments are up there making it up as they go along. So this question is basically asking us to put a statistic to the impression of jazz. But we only have our own opinions. I said, that's that's not, the only opinion that matters. But that's not really fair. <laughs> and we all like classical music, so we're yeah. in the minority. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the general impression people have of jazz, though, from what I've heard, <laughs> is that it's just below rap and country music on those genres that people say, I like all music except rap and country music and jazz, and then like disco. (laughs) I'm one of those people, but it's just country. I'm like, I like all music except country. I used to say those things too, but then I heard some country I liked, and I heard some rap I liked, and I heard some jazz I liked. 
and I even heard some funky disco music I like. So it turns out it just depends on the music. Well, that's the thing is my taste in music is so eclectic. I mean, yeah. it's primarily classical music and show tunes. But you know yes. what? There's some things that I like of, out of everything. Same. It may only be one track, but that I, one I like. I think I can still, I just don't think there's any country music I found that I liked. Um, Bluegrass. You don't like bluegrass? I, oh, I got It's like a something. separate category in my mind. Hmm. My dad is, this is a complete tangent, but my dad is... Wait, that's part of our intro. Yes, I, <laughs> I realize that. He is um, musically impaired. Same. No. 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 Oh. Is, <laughs> wow. There, there is only one Megan's dad and there is no one quite like him. Um, we were with some friends and they were playing music in the background and he was trying to figure out, you know, what you thing what is this and i said it was r&b you say r&b what what does that stand for i said that's rhythm and blues he said is that anything like bluegrass no (laughs) no megan's dad that is not He doesn't like anyone to know what he's doing, so for his own protection, I'm just calling him Megan's dad, since I don't know if he actually wants me to say his name on here. I just really, I want you to, like, from now on, just be like, hey, Megan's dad, you know, when you're talking to <laughs> Well, him. no one can pronounce our name, so that's what they always called him in school. Hi, Megan's mom. Hi, Megan's dad, instead of Mrs. <laughs> you know, every time I hear anybody say your last name, it's different. Like, every time I'm I like, know. nobody knows where to put the consonant in well, there. <laughs> well, that's because there are none in there. It's like, they say, you ueno, ueno, ueno. <laughs> and um, each member of the family pronounces it slightly different. Each member of the family? Because I was yes. about to ask you for the official pronunciation. There is no official pronunciation. <laughs> okay, because I um, say, I usually say, you ueno when I'm not thinking, and then when I'm trying to be more conscious of it, I say, ueno. <laughs> but it's hard <laughs> when you're more conscious of it you start to stutter yeah i can't um, overthink things <laughs> it, well for the sake of um explaining my last name is japanese and here <laughs> here we spell here we spell it u-y-e-n-o and it is the y that throws everyone off when they're reading it and mm-hmm. i always knew when anyone was calling on me it says megan uh, 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 and is it, that's me and but um, all my cousins in Japan do not spell it with a Y. It is U E N O. You can use the Y in Japan. Like there's a, a rail station named after the zoo and a Hard Rock Cafe. But both spellings are acceptable. But here, for poor American English speakers, <laughs> it is the Y that really. I always pronounce it U N O. What if? Mm-hmm. So it's not Ueno though. The, you guys should just move the Y to the beginning. <laughs> And we'd all say it. Yeah, we'd no. all say Ueno. So yeah, the Y is not supposed to be in there. <laughs> um, me and my dad say Ueno a lot. I think just because we're used to enunciating it very carefully mm-hmm. to people and trying to spell it out repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And every time we spell it out, it is repeated back to us in a different order. Yeah. And his sister pronounces it differently. And his mother, what she would say is, it's just Bueno without the B. Because when the Japanese say it and just say it conversationally, quickly, without thinking about it, like we have to, it just comes out bueno. Mm -hmm. So, and that's how my mom has chosen to pronounce it. I've been trying to learn Japanese Uh, and um, I always think I've got it. Like I've got this pronunciation (laughs) and I've, you know, I've been told your accent's pretty good. But then I'm watching a show or I'm listening to like real life Japanese people speak and I'm like... (laughs) 
they say that? How do they say that so fast? Like they're just blurring right over the letters that I'm trying so hard to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I'm never going to be able to understand anyone who's talking to me. So I can't spell it out in my head. I think that's always, I mean, it's kind of the same with a lot of languages. Oh, French. Don't get me started. Uh, they won't. don't even believe in pronouncing <laughs> the, the right letters. <laughs> There's an S in there. Why not? We're not going to say it. Who cares? Uh, I French don't, don't care how they did we do, get here? as long as they pronounce it properly. <laughs> From um, jazz. We were, we were talking about my dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Megan's dad. And how he, uh, Megan's dad and um, how he gets confused with music. Oh, INTs and their tangents. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our last question we have, what do people think about bass players? Well, the last question. Any kind of bass. Um, I, oh, not the last question we have. <laughs> the last question There's for so now. There's so many questions. We'll take a break from questions after this, but, and then if we still have more time, then we'll ask more. Um, I feel like the bass player in every rock band, at least, is the, the cool, quiet one in the band. Like, they make no facial expressions. Or they make a lot of eye contact with the people in the audience (laughs) and flirt with Asia in the front row. (laughs) Well, we can't all be Asia. So. No, I'm just remembering my very first concert. It was Minus the Bear. (laughs) And I felt like the bass player and I had kind of like a a vibe going. (laughs) But I feel like it's because he wasn't really paying attention. It's not like he had to sing or anything very much. So he was just kind of like looking down at the people in the audience. And I was like... (laughs) <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> so that's Asia's impression of a bass player is, How you doing? <laughs> um, but he also said upright bass. Also. Or, or double bass. Or double bass. I don't really have any particular opinion about bass players, honestly. Tawny's not a bass player. So she looks down on y'all. <laughs> Which is something we're used to, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> I actually... You can't say funny things while I'm coughing. <laughs> Some of the funny things get edited out. Should I say it again? <laughs> no, I'm just not going to edit that out. Okay. Um, oh, I don't want everyone to hear me hacking up my lungs. It's funny. Um, <laughs> I, I, actually, I also have an affinity for the uh, upright bass players because I always really identified with... Um, the stereotypical beatnik scenes in every piece of media I ever consumed. Every, like, strong female character I identified with as a kid growing up. It's basically a stereotypical beatnik character. And there was always, like, that scene where they were doing slam poetry to an upright bass. And I was like, yes, this is my aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like, as a six-year-old Asia. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Megan, do you have an opinion on bass players? Um, not really an opinion, just some passing thoughts. All right. So here's the part where we can... <laughs> <laughs> well, see, we're so passing our pass right over that. <laughs> what are your passing thoughts? <laughs> My... <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I was thinking about the next thing. This is what it's like being around her all the time. Where, oh yeah, I do have a thought about this. Well, let's go on to the next thing. Well, good for I you. Don't care. I assume you were going to say no. I just have no. Well, it is kind of no, so yeah, I can see 
how you do this. I'm just very bad at listening. I am. I just... My... Um, my great-grandfather, so Megan's mom's grandpa, um, was a <laughs> prolific musician in the 30s. Wow. This is not a passing thought at all. <laughs> is it ever? <laughs> and he, he, one of the things that he did was he played in nightclubs. And he, one of the things he did was play the bass. And my mom would always say, you know how you see in the movies? And then we, they would stand up and swing it around and spin it. And says, that's what he would do. And your grandma would dance. And like... Okay. My great-grandmother, actually. Sorry. So, you're telling me that a bass player is literally the reason you exist, and you almost let me pass over it? I don't know if that's the reason I exist. <laughs> it was I obviously that swing in bass. Yeah. Just, I don't know what my great-grandmother thought about bass players, but... She danced. Yeah, in a nightclub. So. <laughs> While those kids stayed in the car. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So anyway, all I'm saying is you're the only one here who had any relevant experience or information. <laughs> it wasn't an opinion. I, like I have a lot of relevant experience. No, because you think you're better than bass players. You never said that. But you you didn't not say it. No, I don't think I'm better than bass players. I just don't have like a particular, I don't think there's any real stereotype for bass players. It's not that she looks down on the bass players. It's just that she doesn't think about the bass players. <laughs> sure. Okay. It's not what I hate Sorry, you. It's just that you never crossed my mind. See, I didn't have anyone to do that with me last time. <laughs> Wait, did you actually do that last time? With you. I don't remember. Yeah, episode two. Oh. Wow. Okay. Or three. So, Aisha, do you have any prepared jokes? Heck no. I've been hilarious this entire time. This is the part where we feature our host, our guest host, a bit more. You don't want me to tell you more about the bass player? This is your self-promo <laughs> section, so... Oh, I don't know how to do that. Um, tell us more about your okay. YouTube channel. Uh, well, I just recorded my 10th episode yesterday. I have yet to... No. She's beating us by five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did record. I have yet to edit and upload, so maybe I'll get around to that today. I will discuss uh, the things that I've just finished. So things that I are all, all done. Mm-hmm. So that's finished objects, and then I go into what is commonly called whips, which is a little bit misleading. It is short for works in progress, so what I'm working on now. And then I'll go into things that I have bought, my acquisitions segment. So that's, um, not everyone in podcasting community likes that. Sometimes it's just like, oh, you just got a bunch of things I couldn't. But on the other <laughs> hand, other people can say, hey, oh, I never heard of that, or that looks cool. I want to check out that person's shop. That's so actually, it's kind of promotion. Yeah, at least that's how I think about it. That's a weird attitude. I mean, considering how popular unboxing videos are yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, so I like that. And then, um, recently I've also been getting into learning how to hand dye yarn. So um, right now I'm just, you know, as money allows getting new dyes and making samples Mm -hmm. of those little tiny uh, skeins that um, are a lighter color than it actually is, but it still gives me a base point to reference those colors. And then I'm going to start mixing those colors. I do have some full skeins that I've tried out and just I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm just playing around. I've always pronounced it skeins in my head. Um, that's a point of contention, actually, whether <laughs> okay. it's skein or skein. I'm saying skein now. <laughs> Just because? Just because. Um, I say skein. 
So I, a pet dream of mine is to have my own yarn dyeing micro business. Ooh. If I ever figure out what the heck I'm doing. That'd be cool because I'm not like a huge yarn nerd, but I do crochet mm -hmm. sometimes and I haven't done it in a long time because I keep going to regular stores where you get yarn and I'm just not very happy with any of the yarn well, because I'm like, I could buy a better quality scarf for almost the same cost as this yarn. You also should try going to a specialty shop as well, not well, a big box store. The other end of that is that I have gone into like tiny stores before too and I will find like the yarn of my dreams like the perfect deep turquoise soft and it's $60 yeah and I'm like I wouldn't even spend $60 on a professionally created scarf if it's pretty <laughs> enough I'll get it if yeah. it's if it's special enough I'll get it but. um I'm more of a person who gets all of my clothing second or third hand so <laughs> it's really hard for me to justify spending that much money on something that I then have to go home and make myself no, that's understandable but yeah. like it's you know it's not my passion it's just something I do sometimes yeah so. it's for me it's not it's not a hobby anymore it's a lifestyle yeah so, and I don't really spend money on anything else so that I understand because I will spend ridiculous amounts of money on art supplies or right. and this is yeah. kind of <laughs> this is my medium I guess and I'm hoping that um yarn dyeing is also a better medium for me me too because then I'm gonna be like hey Megan mm -hmm. some yarn over there yeah. <laughs> hey Megan discounts uh -huh. Uh -huh. and um then sometimes and I'll give my opinions on what I think of yarn because I don't end up liking all yarn that I work with and mm -hmm. it's obviously just my opinion mm -hmm. but I'll I will go ahead and say when I'm not happy with something or I had an issue with a, a pattern that this wasn't written very not necessarily correctly but just not in a way that I can understand it but that's why there's so many things is because we, all of our brains in take in things differently I do not knit because I cannot understand knitting patterns even a tiny bit. I only know one crochet <laughs> pattern and that's it. <laughs> there are, there have been ones that I've just torn out my hair over. So what do you want? What are you trying to say? And then someone else can do the same thing and just, oh, I get it. Or there's a particular technique. Um, if my mom's listening, she'll remember this. It's called a Kitchener stitch. It's basically mimicking a knit stitch, but with a needle and thread. So you can close um, a seam seamlessly, basically, invisibly. Wow. If you do it correctly. I did not do it correctly for a long time. <laughs> I'm not a very crafty person. I, well, someone gave me instructions on how to do it. Like, you, you will do it at the end of a toe, maybe. I will not lift up my foot and show you my uh, <laughs> Doctor Who inspired socks, but did you make those? I did. These are um, see. I, really... I, I will lift up my foot now. Um, these <laughs> this is yarn from uh, Dyer in Missouri. So we didn't really tell the audience what kind of things you make. Um, mainly accessories. I'm not very much into garments lately. I don't know why. What kind of accessories? Um, socks and hats, and I'm really. Doing a lot of cowls and shawls. I like Ooh, these lately. socks. I like this part right here. Which yeah. Is under your heel. Mm. So this is um, from a company called Nerd Girl Yarns. Mm -hmm. Who does all fandom inspired colorways. And this is called Attack Eyebrows. Which is a Aww. reference to Capaldi's yeah. false doctor. <laughs> yeah. Which I um, bought. This is a now retired color. But I bought and knit up so that I could wear them during Peter Capaldi's last episode. Oh my gosh. As it broadcast on TV. I and cried. Feel sad. <laughs> and feel very sad. Um, I haven't seen it. What? 
Oh, Tawny. Yeah, I'm very behind. Yeah. Well, actually, I was too. I had to watch the whole last season all at once. Yes. Yeah. So, obviously, we're talking about things that our audience cannot see. Yes, that's that's but, why I chose YouTube. <laughs> but I will link to your YouTube on our Patreon page. You won't. You don't have to be a patron to see that. Though there are some things on there that you do have to be a patron to see. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you wanna if you wanna check out Megan's um, awesome YouTube page. Grumpy Bagel, that's what it's called, right? The Grumpy Bagel. The Grumpy Bagel. Then, um, yeah, I'll link to that on the Patreon. Uh, one Patreon. question. Sure. Where did the Grumpy Bagel come from? I had a feeling you might ask that. <laughs> well, um, to start out with, um, I am INTJ, so the Grumpy kind of lends itself to that as my general... Very obvious. My, yes. my general mm-hmm. default state. And uh, Bagel comes from um, my BKF, my best knitting friend, I guess, when she first moved to this area... That's the only cool thing I can think of to call her. (laughs) Sorry, Carly. Um, When she first moved to this area, her eldest child, her daughter, was either just over or under two years old. And she couldn't say Megan. So um, she actually (laughs) called me Bijou. Bijou? (laughs) And it took me a while to figure out that that's what she was calling me, not just a word that she was throwing at me. (laughs) So she'd say Bijou, Bijou to get my attention. And but that was her word for bagel. Oh. <laughs> so it's it's kind of complicated. So her parents would have said, bagel? What are you calling your bagel for? Megan and bagel sounded the same to her. I guess. So it kind of caught on. They Then they'd start calling me bagel when they saw me. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, our parents, you know, back in Washington and Florida call you bagel too. They said, oh, how's bagel doing? And then it just kind of <laughs> caught on. And um, I am I am known by many people as bagel now. I think you are known by two more people as Bagel now, or yeah. maybe more from this podcast. Yeah. So, um, and, and, well, she called me Bacon a couple times, too, so I'm still in the breakfast foods area, I, but um, it's mainly Bagel. Oh, man, I'm so hungry. I know. <laughs> this um, is not a, not a good <laughs> origin story for someone who's hungry. <laughs> Megan has a lot of origin stories, though. Oh, boy. You mean Bagel has bagel a lot, has of, a lot origin of origin stories. stories. Orange juice stories. And also, growing up, uh, Grumpy was always my favorite dwarf. Out oh. of Snow White, so which um, they should have taken as I an omen. Grumpy too. He was always my favorite. I, had... I like to talk. <laughs> of course, <laughs> we say obviously. <laughs> but um, I had um, several toys um, apparently when I was very young, and I, there is a picture of me with Grumpy at Disneyland, which I was actually you know not terrified of. Wow, I so, been. <laughs> so um, yeah, he was always my favorite. They should have known. My dad always called known. me Frowny the Clown when I was growing up. Frowny the Clown? Frowny the Clown. He still does sometimes. Because yeah. I just frowned a lot. me that too now. Oh, and then I also, as I mentioned earlier, I will take any dis- time I can to talk about Phantom of the Opera. Oh, right, right, right. If, if all of that is done and I'm done talking about that stuff, then I'll talk about Phantom. That was one of the things that I think you and I first kind of like bonded over. Yes. <laughs> was Phantom of the Opera. Plus that one time I was at your house and I saw a sign on the wall that said 221B Baker Street. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, where has this nerdy family been my whole life? Because <laughs> <laughs> at the time I was like very, uh, I was in very short supply of, people who knew what the heck I was talking about. And that's why moment. I put it, that's why I bought it when I was in London and put it up there. It says, this will be a beacon <laughs> to the other nerdy people 
to find me. Like Tawny's TARDIS sticker on her car. Yeah. She got a new car, so she had to buy a new TARDIS sticker. Like, immediately. <laughs> that was a priority. The day I bought the car, I went on Amazon and was like, gotta find a new TARDIS sticker. And my mom just got a new car, and she's gonna get a, my other car as a TARDIS license frame. I've seen a couple of those. This is the only time she's ever been able to customize her car like that, so she's very excited. <laughs> I never like my car enough to do anything to customize it. <laughs> I'm not wasting money on this thing. <laughs> The only car I liked enough to do that, I totaled, so. Sad. Back to the questions. Wait. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about movies or books. All oh, right, but we last, haven't been doing our book club. <laughs> um, last time, we chose the book, or I chose the book, Hitchhiker's Guide Tony, to the Galaxy. I told you we weren't doing that. But I read it. <laughs> we were supposed to review Star Wars. But I read it. <laughs> you finished it. What did you think? I liked it. Good review. <laughs> Everyone likes that book. <laughs> they make it to the end. Now you need to read the net, the other four. Yeah. <laughs> I probably won't. I have so many other books I need to read. To be clear, I love that book. It's just that she only wanted to do that book for our book review because she was already reading it. And she's like, it'll be easy, Asia, because you've do... already read it. I'm like, that's why it can't be the book review book. I've I already know read somebody it. who read it, though, because it was going to be reviewed. Who? Or maybe because it was mentioned. Who? Brandon Wong. Well, he had never read it before? No. Brandon, what the heck? And Brandon, you were supposed to be on the podcast where we review Star Wars. What the heck? Well, he'll be next. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll review Star Wars then. It's been a while. So? We're going to have to see it again? Maybe. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, new book. I'm going to choose the new book. It's going to be the book I'm reading. Insert book no, book here. No, stupid. Don't do that. Bagel, do you have any... <laughs> Do you have any book suggestions? <laughs> um, there's one, but um, that's my favorite book, but I realize it would not be everybody's, to everyone's taste. Well, we don't care oh. about everyone. <laughs> What's your favorite so, book? Well, I know we don't. <laughs> um, it is um, a very old book. It was published, well, serially published in 1850s or 60s. It was by Wilkie Collins, who was a protege of Charles Dickens. Ooh, I like Charles. So this was one of the great three-volume novels. It is called The Woman in White. And it is absolutely fascinating. And as um, much as I have issues with Andrew Lloyd Webber right now, I am glad <laughs> that he made a musical out of it to make sure that I read the actual novel. Oh, which I is, didn't know that. It, um, it kind of flopped. Mm. It's great music and um, really clever lyrics, but um, it, it didn't do so well either in West End or on Broadway. But it is a... Um, I don't want to say unconventional mystery novel because it was one of the first of that type of mystery novel that was written. It's told in several first-person accounts, and it's prefaced with um, acting as though this were a court trial. Hmm. And everyone is, all the characters are stepping forward and giving their testimony. So it may be one page long that, you know, I saw this happen, and um, apparently, Someone's telling me that it was important, so I better tell you. And then there will be, you know, volumes and volumes of someone else who is more intimately involved with the thing that happened. I'm I'm reading Jane Eyre for the first time right now. For the now. first time? Are yeah. you serious? Yeah, I actually started it a while back, but then I got caught up reading other books. Um, so that is a potential book club book. Your it's very, book, it's very, very long. That's... Maybe it could be a long-term book club book, because it's probably going to take people a while to get read. And I love it because by halfway through, you know what happened. Mm -hmm. But you have no idea how they did it. 
I got through the end of the second volume, and I <laughs> thought I was so tired by that point. I'm just thinking, says, okay, okay, I gotta go to bed, I gotta go to bed, and then the plot twist <laughs> happened, and I just, uh, straight up in bed I was like, what? Did you know a plot had twist a... always happens right when you need to go <laughs> to sleep? And it's like the biggest one ever, and I had to read three more chapters just to calm myself down to figure out what the heck was going on before <laughs> I could go to sleep. Did you ever read Great Expectations? I have not yet. So it's on my list. It can, it it can be a little. It can drag on a bit. It can be hard to get well, through that's, a bit. That's what, that's what Charles does. He goes on these yeah. tangents <laughs> and does. goes on things. Like, did you see what I did there? Did you see what <laughs> I did there? there? I am so clever. It's like yes, yes, we get it. Much there like were some podcast. scenes that were completely irrelevant to the plot. Yeah, but I only read it. I stuck with it. This was my freshman year of high school because. My teacher said we all had to choose one book from the library that would be, it could be any book we wanted at the end of the year, at the end of the semester we had to do a report that could be any style we wanted. It was just a totally independent project. And I chose Great Expectations because I I had never finished a Charles Dickens book before. (laughs) And... You know, I was like, ooh, this book's so pretty. Like, so I took it out of the library. And my teacher was like, um... You know what you're doing. She's like, I wouldn't even want to finish that book. And I was like, she's like, are you sure? And I, because she said that, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, I get super mad when people act like I can't do something. And oh my gosh, I had... I think we're not smart enough to do it. We rise to the occasion. The only way Asia accomplishes things is out of spite. That's why I learned the flute and calculus. (laughs) But I had... Spite is an excellent motivator. Oh, very much for me. But I was so determined to finish that book, even though it did get rough trying to finish it, because it's long and it goes on and on. But like, right in the last chapter, I... I don't cry easily, like, from reading especially, or at least Me I neither. didn't back then. Um, I've gotten a little emotion, more emotional as an adult for some reason. But I burst into tears. Like, I started sobbing in, like, the last couple pages of this book. And I was like, after that, for the next several years, people ask me, what's your favorite book? I'm like, great expectations, because I cared about those characters I so know. much. I read um, the entire Musketeers series by Alexandre Dumas. Mm-hmm. which not everyone knows that it is actually a series of novels that starts with the Three Musketeers and ends with The Man in the Iron Mask. What? Okay, three, depending on the publisher that you go through, there's three or four novels in between. Huh. And being the nerd that I am, <laughs> I got all of the books and read them and then went through to the end of The Man in the Iron Mask. And, you know, things happen to these characters. And the same thing with you. I don't really cry at books, but... A thing happened with um, a character I had grown very attached to, and I was just sobbing. I literally sobbing, remember sobbing. yelling. Before I started crying, I yelled. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> no, it's not possible. No. I was just in despair. I was like, this is the most tragic thing. I know. It was just, <laughs> this is the worst thing that can happen to this person, but yet it's so Fitting and so no, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so, but it ends up being why book? the book sticks with you. Um, the Woman in White is so, what you said. The Woman in White by uh, Wilkie Collins. Okay, so that's the book that we all need to read for the next time Megan's on our podcast and in then ten we'll years. Review it. <laughs> when, when everyone finishes it in ten years, it is such a big book. My book choice is Jane Eyre because I'm already reading it <laughs> and I, I have it, so you could borrow it. I do love Jane Eyre. Okay, all right, so it's Jane Eyre, everybody. It's pretty good so far. So, 
Do you not know what happens? I don't. And I've been... Are you serious? Militantly, like, avoiding spoilers. People I've, keep trying to spoil it. Um, well, then don't... Well... I was going to say, don't watch the last couple episodes of my podcast, but um, I do, I just, I just <laughs> okay. do vague things and spoilers. I just say spoilers. That's good to know. Yeah. I know a couple people have <laughs> spoiled things for me in the past, but um, I've already forgotten what the spoilers so were. So you've never seen any adaptation of Jane Eyre? No, and I remember when a Jane Eyre movie came out years ago, with and the, I was going Mia, to... With the one with Mia Bashakovska and Michael Fassbender? That was probably or the it. one with John Hurt. Because I'm sure I would have wanted no, not to see John anything. Hurt. William with... Hurt. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Whoa. I would have wanted to see anything with Michael Fassbender in it. So I remember oh, there yeah, was yeah. a movie that well, I... Well, wait, wait until you're done and then watch the one with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> I've seen both versions. Yes. And um, I loved the one with Orson Welles and Joan Fontaine. I only recently finished reading... Oh. Well, not recently. It was a few years ago. But I read Wuthering Heights for the first time. Oh, Lord. And then I immediately was like, I need that to is see adapt- that is that is that is a stressful book. <laughs> that is. I mean, if you, I only watched um, the Laurence Olivier version way back when, and then watched the one with Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. which goes actually goes into you know the whole second half of the book. And I thought, oh, you know, it's such a tragic love story. And then reading the rest of it, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so messed up. These people are messed up. Well, after I read the book, I was like, I immediately need to find all the adaptations now. And I never even, I don't think I even watched a whole one. I just started watching clips from all the different well, ones on YouTube. It's just so depressing. And I couldn't believe the different interpretations of characters oh, yeah. people had. In my head, they're very solidly, yes. like, fully fleshed out. I know what all these characters look oh, that, like. That was another question I was going to send to you. Maybe I'll just send the question to you and then we don't have to get into it now. Okay. Unless don't you forget. should we Unless go you... back to the questions <laughs> yeah, that we do have? <laughs> Tony probably. seems very impatient. I, I can tell you we're trying to find out how long we've been recording. We've been recording quite a while. <laughs> um, so our <laughs> another thought provoking question we have. We can have a two parter podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Cats or dogs? Cats. Cats. <laughs> I have two cats. <laughs> But I like both a lot. Dogs smell you like, bad. You like both dogs cats? Dogs don't always smell <laughs> I like both cats, yeah. Um, <laughs> my cats are very annoying, but I also really like cats in general just because, like, their attitude is very similar to mine. We identify as cats. Yeah, but I love, I love dogs too, but I think I'm more picky about what kind of dog because I don't like little yappy dogs and if I were to have a dog I want it to be like an adventure husky or like a dog uh, or an Australian shepherd you know because they're smart you know so basically a a dog with a purpose and fluffy yes I literally don't think about babe for some reason just like that's not half a purpose Oh my gosh. I kind of want to see that movie again now. <laughs> Traumatize ourselves again. I haven't seen Babe, Small Pig in the Big City yet, and I, I heard it was really that. good. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I heard the opposite. Why would you hear that it's good? That's not possible. I, I know a bunch of people who are always saying it's good. Anyway, I don't even own any cats right now because I don't want to take care of a cat. Even less do I want to take care of a dog because they're so, so needy. They're so self-sufficient cats yeah, are, though. I know. Some people are like, oh, I like dogs better than cats because cats don't really love you and they don't. I'm like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, no, I think cats do like you, but they don't like require your presence at all times, which is exactly how I feel about my friends. (laughs) Like, Like how my whole family is. We are at home. 
Mm-hmm. We are each in our own rooms, mm-hmm. and we're not bothered by any of that. Mm-hmm. We know where each other is, mm-hmm. or each other are. I'm not sure which is the correct grammar on that one. We know where everyone is, and if we need them, <laughs> we will find them. I don't need exactly. you with me. Mm-hmm. I will find you if I need you, and we're all good with that. I remember, it's been like that for 30 years. Well, sometimes people are like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever, and I'm like, it was like two weeks ago. It's like I just saw you. <laughs> or are you just saying, no. Exactly. <laughs> I remember talking to another INTJ a while ago, and he was basically saying that he likes being around other people, but he doesn't like having to talk to them. So, like, and I was like, yes, you like that their presence is there. Like, that they're, they're just, you know that they're there if you need them, but you don't have, you don't feel obligated to talk yes. to them or entertain them or whatever it is, it's you know. It's that... It's called comfortable silence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which not everyone understands or appreciates anymore. I, I can't even have any kind of, like, significant relationship with somebody who can't be comfortable in silence. That's, like, the exactly, most important like, part. That's the, exactly the issue I have. And it was just like, I, yes, it would be nice, but I don't really want to have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not really healthy. So a, a big strain <laughs> I guess me. I will be single. <laughs> A big strain for me is when, and this isn't, I'm, I'm not even just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about like any relationships, yes. friendships or anything. Well, that's what Somebody who wants to, <laughs> when somebody calls me and like a text would have sufficed, you know, for this particular bit of information. I have my phone on silent all the time because I don't want anyone to call me and then stress me out for the rest of the day because, oh my gosh, they called. Oh man. I mean, I know, I know couples who are very happy. They're like, oh, we fell asleep on the phone together. I'm like, I could have been watching Netflix or something during that time. (laughs) You know, spending my time wisely. And I'm talking about, there have been, like, people, I mean, I really, really like to talk to them. But if there's no reason that you require the inflection of my voice for the same information to get conveyed, I prefer having one, the opportunity to think about what I was, I'm going to say, because I obviously stutter and stumble over my words when I'm speaking out loud. I, I prefer communicating through text. And also it's easier to multitask and secretly watch Netflix while I'm talking to them. See, I hate texting, mm-hmm. but it's, I do like the I like instant messaging. Yeah, I like I being that. able to, that's why I use WhatsApp, because I can have it on my computer, but at the same time, I'm like, sometimes I just have too many thoughts, or like, so much that I want to say, that I hate having to even type it out, and I wish that I could just talk to them face-to-face, and, but I don't like being on the phone, just in general, like, I don't want to text or call. It's the worst of both worlds. I just, yeah. I'd rather be face-to-face with the person, but, you know, that's not always because you possible. Because you can't always read sarcasm in a text, and yeah. you put it there when it's not really there, and then it just leads yeah. to stuff. I think also, it's just that my number one worst skill, as I brought out in the last podcast, is listening, and that's all a phone call is. I need to read it, like, a few times, and then I'll understand what you're trying to say. Sometimes people are talking to me on the phone, and then I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) After they've been talking for, like, five minutes, you know? (laughs) But if I, I can't even see them. It's even worse, because it's just listening, and they expect my mind not to wander. So... Guys, what's your favorite part of artsing? Who, artsing? Who asked this question? No, it's this entire it's, list it's, is art. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds like an Aston because thing. it's arts, arts apostrophe arts. Yeah, I was more intrigued by his choice of spelling it like that. Yes. That's not 
I don't think that's what I would have gone with. <laughs> is, it, is that is art sing even a thing? Art sing. Art sing. Art sing. Ma- making art. Doing artful things. Oh yeah, making art. How do you do the art? What is your favorite? Well, <laughs> I feel like each of us have like a, our own art yeah. forms. So bagel, you go first. Okay. <laughs> um, probably color choice for me. Finding out what colors will complement each other, what will not, depending on. If I really want high contrasting things, or if I just want it to blend all together, because that's what I do, is I open my bins and just see color and pick out of that. That's my favorite part. That is my least favorite part. <laughs> I, um, it, I didn't, it gets very hard sometimes, but um, that can I, be very enjoyable. I get very judgy about other people's color choices. Oh, yeah. But... When it comes to making my own things, I like painting or animating or whatever it is I'm doing. The hardest part for me is choosing a color. And so I often just kind of like spin my finger around the wheel and land on a color. I'm like, oh, that's the color we're going with because I just can't choose ahead of time. Because that's, I think, what influences all my purchasing choices for me is just like, do I like that color or not? Well, I mean, with and yarn, then I, yeah. Th- and then I think about, you know, what is it made of and what will lend itself to this or that. But it's just like, ooh, pretty purchase. Tawny, what's your favorite part of artsing? Uh, I was going to go last. You oh. go. <laughs> what's your favorite part of artsing? <laughs> this terrifying look just on across Asia's face. I don't know. Um, I've always liked making art my entire life. And I think it's always just been basically two parts. One is I get like the urge to draw or something or whatever, draw or paint or make an animation or whatever it is. I'll get the urge to do that. And then it's almost like I have two modes. One is where I just grab a pen and I start moving my hand on the paper and something comes out of it. The more rare mode is where I have an idea first and then I have to plan out how I'm going to make that work. So it's almost like two different approaches to making art that I have. With animation, it's much more that. Like I have an idea and then I'm like, okay, you really have to think ahead with animation. Yeah, there's not really a lot of free form animation out there, is there? No. With drawing... I kind of just start drawing. Even if I do have an idea ahead of time, I'm not actually the best at making sure that's what comes out on the paper. So sometimes people will be like, oh, wow, you drew that thing. And can you draw me? And I'm like, heck no. You think I even meant to draw this? I didn't mean to draw this. This is just what happened. And I was like, it didn't turn out too bad. So I posted it. (laughs) Um, But then the end part of making art for me is like, Sometimes I make something and I'm really happy with how it came out. And usually that's an accident. Like I can't predict what I'm going to be happy with or what I'm not going to be happy with. And so that's just another, that's another favorite part. That really good feeling when you're like, I definitely improved while I was working on this. And this is better than anything I've made before. That's an awesome feeling. When you're actually happy with what you've done. So for me with art, there's a lot of problem solving involved and... I'm not really happy with it. Yeah, unless it's an improvement on whatever came before. Because otherwise I just feel like a kid coloring in a book, (laughs) you know. Which, I mean, nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of people like adult coloring books now. but (laughs) I don't consider adult coloring books art. Like, no, that's just... It's not. (laughs) You know, I've bought 
like all of them and I'm never gonna do anything with them. <laughs> I like them. I like doing them because the, it to me it's like it's like it's uh, more therapeutic a than prettier art. yeah, it's I mean I that's what they're meant for. Mm-hmm. And to me it's like a pretty version of coloring in all the letters in like a magazine. <laughs> yeah, I do you that know? too. You like fill in the G's and the P's and the A's and the E's. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but it's making like it pretty. pretty an individualistic paint by number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've never been very patient with coloring. Even when I was a kid and I had coloring books, I would be like, I would try to experiment and be more artsy with it, like as a five-year-old. <laughs> so I would color outside of the lines just a little bit and try to rubble. get all free-flowy with it. And my mom was concerned. She was like... Because she was like, I've taught you how to do this. You, like, <laughs> you color the line part first, and then you can scribble the inside part. And Kiri, my our other sister, um, she, you know, was coloring all inside the lines and everything. And my mom was you like, know, something's like a, wrong with like this girl. girl. She can't color inside the lines. And I was, like, trying to explain. I can color inside the lines. I'm choosing not to. <laughs> it's art, mother. <laughs> This is who I am. <laughs> I, I remember one time when I was like six or seven too. I was I was color. I drew a tree with crayon, and I just kind of drew like a green oval and a brown rectangle. I was making it really graphic, and my mom was like, "I know you know how to draw trees better than that. Like, where are the leaves?" And I was like. It's a style. <laughs> it was like the first time I ever used that argument. And it was like my style wasn't influenced by any real artist. It was influenced by the fact that other kids around me drew things more like that. And it seemed kind of appealing to like, it almost seemed more soothing to try and draw things more representational than like, or more like symbolically than than realistically. So I was trying something out. She thought it was representative of my actual skill (laughs) or that I forgot my previous skills. (laughs) I came from a family that really pushed your art skills, if that's not clear. No. (laughs) Okay, what's next? Did did Tawny get to answer? Oh, she wanted to go last, so I forgot about her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tawny, what's your favorite part of artsing? Okay, we're done. Um, My favorite part of artsing, well, the reason I wanted to go last on this is because it's a very difficult question for me to answer because I have a lot of different things that I do that are artistic, I guess. Like, I play music, write music, um, I like to draw, I like to paint, and I obviously like photography, um... So kind of within all of those different things, it's it's different favorite parts, you know. With music, I, I think I, I was talking to Bagel about this earlier, but like it, it kind of became like a, a stress relief. Um, I'm not going to stop calling you Bagel. That's okay. <laughs> so, it is my handle after all. So um, It's just promo. <laughs> like for music... I think with all art, I do love that it's like a challenge. Like it's a thing that you can continually get better at and try different styles. You know, with music, you can try different genres of music and each require, you know, like a little bit of a change in skill. And um, I've always found it to be whatever art I'm doing to be a good stress relief, basically, because I can just concentrate really on that one thing and it kind of blocks out all the the stressful thoughts in my brain because <laughs> um, I'm like challenging myself with one thing and 
So you get into a flow state? Yeah. Art is my flow state, I guess. Different kinds. Um, With photography, I've always... I liked it because it kind of got me out and exploring and looking at things, like, in a different way. But my favorite part of photography is actually the editing and the color correcting. I love choosing colors. And (laughs) I like... I can't choose. There's too many pretty ones. I like taking (laughs) something, like, in a photograph that... Which, you know, is documenting real life, but turning it in into something more artistic. So tweaking it to make it more, like, um, cinematic or larger than life, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there's just kind of you a lot of different... You see me trying to choose an Instagram filter. It's like, <laughs> I go through all of them several times, and then I'm like... Then I get tired of it, so I'm like, it's this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking pretty hard, like, what is my flow state? Because there's so many different interests I have. Like, what what is it that gets me there? And I think the number one thing that gets me into a flow state is, like, when I've just found something new that I want to learn about. And I go into, like, a Wikipedia rabbit hole and the time goes by like that. My obsession of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Taking in random knowledge. <laughs> Trivia. More, yes. more recently, coding has become like a flow state. Where I'll, that's good because that's I, essential for coding. <laughs> <laughs> like I sit there and I will just work on something for hours and hours, you know, and I forget to eat. And I'm like, oh, it's it's five o'clock. I, it, I thought it was morning still, you know. <laughs> I, just, I just remembered the thing I wanted to bring up earlier when we were talking about your knitting and everything. Mm-hmm. Was, I was going to ask you if you saw that video. Donnie knows what I'm talking about. I'm not sure if I saw that video, but continue. <laughs> Sorry, well, I thought it a lot more video it was. <laughs> I thought it a lot more judgy than it was meant to be. Intuition. <laughs> I, I looked at her and it said, no, it hasn't been that long. Coding within knitting. It's a, yeah, it's I this have. woman and it's she really was a, interesting. I think you'd like it. I think I've heard it referenced in other places, but I don't think I've actually seen it. It was, made me want to knit. Well, she was she would co- she was a okay. coder first, right? And then she was learning how to knit and she started to realize that these That's knitting patterns the same thing. These are their programs basically. They're algorithms. Yeah, you're, so she you, started knitting you programs knit in pearl instead of zero and That's one. why I find it really interesting cuz I feel like we have very different hobbies. But we're both INTJs, yes. and so like the root, <laughs> we're getting excited the over here. Root, the root <laughs> of those like hobbies that take us into, or actually, I mean, those things that like take us into that flow state basically are the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Because for you, it's knitting, and for me, at least right now, it's coding, and it's but it's the same, and it's it's like problem solving yes. and patterns, and like coming up with algorithms and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is just really fun although for me I'm not that advanced of a coder so I'm still like (laughs) learning a lot um but you know I just found that interesting what do you think is the difference between a flow state and like a meditative state because like are they the same because for me like I said crocheting and crafting it's not a passion of mine but when I do start crocheting and I just it's the same stitch over and over and over again so it's just like a repetitive thing and it's kind of like I eventually zone out and then when I close my eyes I just see like the stitches Mm -hmm. but then it was the same thing when I like played Candy Crush on my phone you know I close my eyes and I see Candy Crush so that's almost like I'm killing my brain like I'm just completely zonked out and thinking about something else wait and that doesn't seem like the same as a flow state where I'm being like productive and learning or writing or drawing or something like that 
I feel like that's just a really convenient way of zoning out. I don't know. Like, <laughs> But I'm doing something. <laughs> well, that's what I mean by convenient. You're kind of accomplishing It also happened like, with Dance Dance Revelation. I closed my eyes I was the arrows. <laughs> I was thinking about that. That's like it's an it's episode only of Malcolm actually- in the Middle where Hal is obsessed with Dance Dance Revelation. And he starts to see it and he starts to respond. And Tetris. Nod. Shake your head. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it's the only exercise that ever got me into a flow state. <laughs> you know, some people, for them, their flow state is running. Yeah. They, like, instantly... Is it their flow state, though, or is that more like the crocheting, where it's just kind of a way to zone out because they're not... It's their flow state because it, it starts going faster. They're relaxed. They're into it. They're not thinking about anything else, which is why running is so hard for me because I start immediately thinking about everything else. Like, wow, this sucks. This is hard. It too on what it exactly it is you're doing because I have specifically projects that are um, fairly easy for me to do. They're fairly simple and that can help me think about things. Mm-hmm. Like what that noise was. <laughs> and there are more things that are intentionally more complex so that I can focus on that mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, all of my issues. So it depends on what I'm ready to do, what I'm emotionally capable of handling that day mm-hmm. as to what mindset I want to be in. I'm sure I, we've all gone mm-hmm. into a flow state when it comes to, like, reading. I oh, think, yeah. um... I, I used to be able to do it in writing, but I haven't been writing a lot. Yeah, there, me, there's, me like... Okay, so there's a book I read, and I cannot remember the name of it, where I... At but least. you had all that time while we were interrupting you to come up with a name. <laughs> <laughs> and yet. So, but um, in the beginning of the book, it basically is talking about, like, the, the difference between us uh, having to consciously do something, you know, if we, even if we know how to do it, we still have to think about it versus other things that are, you know, just second nature things that we can do without thinking about it so I feel like that's kind of the difference between the flow state and like the meditated what you were saying basically like in a flow state it's like something that you're so involved in but you still have to consciously think about what you're doing and so you're really concentrating on that thing Mm -hmm. um versus whatever else it's like second nature so you're just kind of doing it and it's repetitive and you already know how to do it you don't you can think about other things while you're doing it because like I know with crocheting, you probably could be doing that while focusing on a show, you know, watching mm-hmm. that at the same yeah, time, that's or playing a game at the same time. So I feel like that's the difference, if, whether it's second nature to you or not. So even if it's like the same thing, so like with knitting, if it's like a pattern that you don't know very well, you'd have to you kind of go into flow state, you know, where you'd be like focusing on that, but you're learning at the same time versus if it's one you already know, you're just like doing it. I think you, you can know? go back and forth between those two states very easily. I like how you intend Tawny to talk fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just, when I was listening to this podcast about flow, they actually were specifically talking about INTJs at one point and how a big part, a big thing that gets them in flow is like a requirement is isolation and being, you know, quiet. And this is actually true for me too, but it may be even more true for you. Like I know when I try to go to bed, that's when my brain's like, let's think about everything now. (laughs) I can't sleep. But for an INTJ, if they haven't had any uh, like time during the day where they were alone and like gave themselves that time to get into that flow and think, then the second they try to go to sleep, their brain's like, well, now's the time because your brain wants to get into flow. And Mm -hmm. so 
they were saying INTJs tend to have a big problem with insomnia because every time they're trying to sleep, that gives their brain the perfect opportunity to now go into flow and start thinking and you thinking. You actually plan out the next five years. Oh, <laughs> you've just actually explained my whole life right now. So. It, it, it's true of me, too. I think the only difference, maybe why it's less severe for me, is because I'm Always kind of. I'm always on an INTP though, and I'm always (laughs) kind of like half of me is half gone and daydreaming or thinking about all those things. So when I lay down to sleep and my brain's still thinking, it's still kind of just a continuation, maybe a little more like concentrated, but a continuation of all the things I've been thinking about all day while I was only half paying attention to the external world. And I think you guys are better at focusing on what you need to do during the day. I can. Yeah. When I'm working. Like, if I, have, if I have to work all day, you know, and I'm busy throughout the workday, I'm going back and forth, I'm talking with different people, I'm, you know, just doing my job, basically, and focusing on that. And then, but I'm, like, exhausted the whole time I'm doing it, and then I'm like, oh, I'm so tired, and then I go to bed, and I'm like, oh, here's, like, the 10 million things I needed also to get done today, yeah. and for the next five years, you know, and let me think about all the conversations I've had since I was three years old. Mm -hmm. And And that embarrassing thing that you did eight years ago. I also (laughs) give myself, I think, more time than I should, than most adults allow themselves. I give myself a lot of alone time and a lot of time to sit and think about stuff. That's just my life allows for that at the moment, which is very important I think for my mental health I know when I had to go to school like as a kid oh my gosh it was a nightmare because I had to you have to be aware of what's going on around you all the time and remember things and that was very stressful for me because my brain was constantly resisting it wanted to think about other things all the time Mm -hmm. So anyway, do we have time to add, should we just save those other questions for the next podcast? I think we should save those questions and move on to our announcements. Yeah. All right. So just to review, this episode was kind of a bonus episode to make up for the fact that we missed January. So you get two episodes in the short month of February. Um, and just in case you forgot you're listening to mostly rational (laughs) that is the name of this podcast mostly rational don't forget it um so there are a few different ways you can listen uh if you want to listen to this one again or you want to listen to our new episodes you want to go back and listen to our old episodes we are on itunes you can listen to us there for free um we are also on podbean if you go to mostlyrational.podbean.com we are at 228 downloads on Podbean right now, which is surprising to me, actually. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's surprising to me because most people, when I say Podbean, they're like, what's Podbean? So I was like, oh, wow, 228 people. That's cool. Um, And then I did go ahead, like I said, I was going to, in the last episode, make a new Patreon account for Mostly Rational only. So that's at patreon.com slash mostly rational. If you do decide to support us on Patreon, there are perks that go along with each tier, each level of support. Um, And so that helps us out a lot. You have no idea. Plus, that also gets you... Uh, able to hear our blooper reels and other bonus material that I'm putting up. Yeah, all the junk we don't want you to hear, <laughs> hey, you'll get to hear. There's some good stuff. It's mostly the jokes that I was like, not everybody would like these jokes, but they're pretty good jokes. Um, if it's not an option for you right now to become a patron, that's 
fine. But what really helps us out also is if you go to iTunes and like subscribe or download or leave us a review or rating, that helps us get out there a little bit more. Or if you share with your friends, that also is very helpful. So just throwing that out there. As always, thank you to Tyler and Cassidy for your support on Patreon. If you would like your question to be answered in the next episode, you there are bunch of different ways you can submit questions so here they are real quick you can email us at mostlyrationalpod at gmail.com you can direct message us on instagram at mostlyrationalpodcast you can tweet us using the hashtag mostlyrational or send a message to us at mostlyrational on twitter you can message us on facebook or you can leave us a comment on any of those places if you don't mind your uh, question being public Thank you, Megan, for being a guest on our show. We appreciate you coming out here and bringing us the delicious coffee rum <laughs> that helped us be social enough for this very podcast. Welcome. We, we need all the help we can get, and thank you for asking me. It was a good choice. All right, so we are going to end with one last question. This question was asked by um, our stepfather. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, Michael, for this thought-provoking <laughs> question. If I admit I'm fatter than someone, does that make me the bigger person? <laughs> and end music. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how to respond. To I that. think it technically... I don't, you don't need to respond to it, really. There's no real answer it's there. It's he desperately wants to put on a t-shirt. <laughs> okay. So nobody steal that. Copyright, Michael. <laughs> Copyright. And while we're saying all these things, music will be playing over, so it doesn't really matter what we say. <laughs> well, in that case, oh.